Welcome to More, the podcast where Debbie will explore real-life applicable ways to get more out of your life. And here's Debbie. Hello, everybody, and welcome to More. And excited about the podcast today, and I'm going to start a new book today. And the book is called Standing for Something by someone named Gordon B. Hinckley. And there's a lot of good in this book. And I've talked about a little bit of... um, some of the topics that are in this book, so I'm going to skip those and go to the topics that I haven't talked about. And the first one that we're going to talk about today is um, integrity and honesty. And I know I've talked a little bit about honesty, but um, I'm going to really dive deeply into that today. And we're going to talk about this. I have a lot of really good stories I'm excited to tell you about and some things to think about. So let's just get going. Um, the first story that um, this um, Gordon Hinckley tells is he remembers when he was in junior high and they were building a new school. Um, he was going to the school, the junior high that they were going to go into couldn't accommodate all the students. And so they decided that, that their, their school wasn't big enough. So the seventh grade kids that were supposed to go there, there wasn't enough room. So they decided to keep those kids back for one more year in the elementary school. And they were mad. And oh, this happened one time when I, one year when I was teaching, I remember, um, the kids had to stay back a year. It's actually happened twice. One year, the kids were amazing. And the many, many years before that, they were just really, really upset. But these kids were furious and they just were going to, they were going to like really show everybody that this wasn't the right thing to do. So they decided they were going to make a, do a little strike. And so the next day came and they didn't go to, they didn't show up for school, but they didn't stay home because their moms would, would know, right? So they didn't go to downtown to do anything. They just went to the park. Actually, no, they didn't go to the park. Um, they didn't know what to do. Um, so they just wandered around, kind of wasted the day. And the next morning, the principal was there to greet them. And he said, Hey, look, if you want to come back to school, then what you need to do is when you have an issue, you need to communicate your issue with people and you don't just do a strike. That's not the appropriate way to handle it. So if you want to come back to school, you need to go and, um, get notes from your parents and tell them, you know, before we're going to let you back in. Of course, the kids didn't know what to do at that point, right? So they sheepishly went back to their parents and got a note. And this, this, uh, Gordon B. Hinckley's mom wrote this note, dear Mr. Stearns, who was the principal, please excuse Gordon's absence yesterday. His action was simply an impulse to follow the crowd. And I think that sometimes we just follow the crowd, even though it's not the right thing to do, or we, we, we do it and we know we shouldn't be doing it and we just follow the crowd. And it's really a hard thing to overcome. And so he said that, um, he'd never forgotten his mom's note after that. And he resolved right then and there that he would never do anything, which I simply followed the crowd. I determined that I would make my own decisions on the basis of their merits and my standards and would not be pushed in one direction or another by those around me. So making that decision was a form of dishonesty because he didn't tell his mom what he was going to do. And, 
And, you know, he felt so guilty about it all the time. And so really when we do things that we don't feel are honest, then we feel guilty. Um, imagine this. I talk to this a lot about my students. There's so much cheating at school. And, um, and you know, I think sometimes we do things to defend things that aren't right. And can you imagine if you had a doctor who was going to do surgery on you and you, and he cheated in medical school and really didn't know the proper thing, the proper way to handle the surgery? How would you feel if that happened? You know, he also tells a story about he had gotten an an anonymous note, um, inside and it had a $20 bill. And the note said that he, this person had gone into their home 20 years earlier, 20, 25 years earlier. And, um, they knocked on the door and nobody answered. So when nobody answered, the person just walked in and they walked around and then on the dresser, they saw a $20 bill. And so this person took it and through all those years, a quarter of a century, 25 years, the conscious, his conscious had bothered him and he was now returning the money. And so, you know, the, the things that when we do things that we know that they aren't right, we, it, it bothers our conscious. And so it's just, it's not worth it. It's so much better sometimes to get caught, you know, almost like you feel like you wish you'd get caught so that you could be relieved of the pressure there is to hold on to a lie. Let me tell you a story of a student that I taught. It was just um, an ordinary day and the girl came in crying and I was went up to her and I concerned and really cared about her. And I'm like, what's the matter? And she's like, my grandma died. And it was in a middle school setting. So I had her like, whatever, third hour or first hour or whatever. And every day I'd have her whatever hour that was, let's just say first hour. So she'd come to school and each day I would ask her a little bit more about the, the death of her grandma. And um, so like the first day I'd be like, so was this your mom's dad? or your mom's mom or your dad's mom. And, um, she would respond. And then the next day, cause you know, it was a middle school setting. So I didn't have a ton of time to talk to her, but I wanted her to know that I cared about her. And then I would ask her the next day, things like, well, where is the, when is the funeral? And, and are you going to miss school for the funeral? And, and each day, um, during that week, I kind of asked her things about it and she answered me throughout the whole thing. Well, also the policy at the school was, that if a student had so many missing assignments and was not doing well in the class that I was required to send a letter home in the mail saying they had so many missing and it happened to fall just during this week of the funeral and the death of the grandma. So the dad, when, when the letter came home in the mail, the dad called me and said, Hey, we got this letter in the mail. And I said, yeah, And I said, gosh, there's a lot going on with your family. I'm so sorry about, and I can't remember if it was the mom's mom or the dad's mom, but I said, I'm so sorry about your, you know, daughter's, the grandma dying and everything and in the passing. And I said, there's probably a lot going on right now. This is probably hard for her to get all this work done. And the dad was like, what, what? We don't know of any, anybody that died in our family. Nobody died in our family. And I'm like, are you kidding me? your daughter just has been telling me all week about this death and yada, 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 and on and on. And, and, um, 
Anyway, the dad was just flabbergasted. Well, needless to say, the girl came to school the next day. And I mean, I think this was on the weekend. And I think the funeral was supposed to be Saturday, what she had told me. And the, I mean, talk about awkward moments. I mean, it was the biggest awkward moment ever between the two of us. I mean, like, I'm like, why did you tell me your grandma died? You know, I mean, her grandma didn't even die. Why would she make it up? And come to find out that the only thing is her and her friends were in a little bit of a fight, but she wanted to say her grandma died. And like, who cares? You know what I mean? And um, I wasn't going to, you know, be pressing or, you know, I was just caring, trying to care. And she just made up this big old lie. And, you know, this is what happens with the lies that we tell. I don't know if you've heard the, the little saying, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. So deceive is, is telling lies and, and you create one lie and then you have to create another lie to cover up that lie and then another lie to cover up that lie. And pretty soon we have this big old huge bundle of lies, like a ball of yarn. Like you just, you know, put one on top of the other on top of the other. And then you, when you, when it rolls down the hill or a big snowball or whatever, you, it's, you can't control it. It, it becomes out of control. And this is what happened to this girl and so, I mean, the moments were so difficult after that. So, I mean, we just have to look and th- look at our lives on a day-to-day basis and say, what kind of decisions are we making? Um, you know, there's so many, there's a little, there's just a couple of sentences that was in a, in a local newspaper that said um, that the state, uh, the state of Utah received a, a note that said, hey, enclosed is there was $200 and it's for materials used over the years that I worked for the state, envelopes, papers, stamps, etc. And it's so easy to take little shortcuts in the things that we do and be um, deceitful or dishonest. Um, like, you know, maybe you clock in at your work and you've clocked in and you kind of dilly dally and don't get to work and you piddle around and don't do what you're supposed to do. Um, I think sometimes kids think, or even people, but I know that kids will say, if I don't get caught, it's not dishonest, but that's not true either. You know, it, it, there's a saying that says, um, it's like, what is integrity? Integrity is doing the right thing. Even when nobody is watching, when nobody's looking, are you going to do, do it? If there's a $20 bill sitting there, or, you know, you're, an opportunity to stay out later than you're supposed to or and nobody's going to know you know do you do those things if your parents aren't home or or whatever there's so many ways to deceive and so I think also deceit is like sometimes kids will say to me but I didn't lie you know what I mean I didn't actually say the words lie but if you create a scenario where there is deception involved and that somebody thinks something different, you know, then that's lying. Um, so take this, for example, this little story. So your parents tell you to go clean your room. So you go in and you shove everything in the closet and under the bed. And then you say, yeah, my room's clean. But is that really what the intention was? You know, if you go back to your parents and say, yeah, your room's clean, there's deceit there. There's dishonesty. I know um, I play a lot of racquetball and 
Sometimes the way you hit the ball, if it doesn't come off as a clean hit, it's called a carry and you call it on yourself. And it's hard to call a carry, but I I do call carries even though I'm going to lose that point, you know. And usually I'm playing my husband and he's beating me, you know, hands down. And so I'm getting so frustrated, but I still call the carries and it's hard to do that. But um, I know that we can do that. My husband is into cars. He loves everything about cars and he buys and sells them a lot. And one thing that I've noticed about him and buying and selling cars, he's always so honest with people that come to buy a car. He tells them everything that's wrong with a car and they can choose whether to buy the car or not. But, um, I really admire that in his, um, in the things that he does, there was also a radio show and it on the radio and in the, the radio host said, Hey, nobody is honest every day. And in this book, he talks about, he says such a blanket indictment is not only unbelievable, it's insulting. And, um, I had a principal once say that all kids cheat and, you know, I'm not sure if that's true. Um, maybe we, maybe you could be the one from this point forward to say, that's not going to be me. I'm not going to be the one. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to sacrifice my integrity for something. This Gordon B. Hinckley tells a story about a train ride that he and his wife took from Osaka to Nagoya, Japan. And um, his wife left his her purse on the train. And when they discovered it immediately, they called the train station and they said, they went back to the train and, and they figured, oh, it would not be found. But much to their delight, when the train got to the station three hours later, a railroad official telephoned to say there was a purse left on the train. And then they thought, wow, you know. And then they said they would mail it. And so like a month went by and they figured, yeah, we lost everything in that purse. And it took a while to get there, but a month later, the a little bit after the month, the purse had arrived with all of the contents in it, including the Japanese yen. And I mean, have you ever been on the receiving side of that? You dropped something or you left your wallet or you left your purse or you lost something and purse it, per, someone returned it and you go to the, you know, right where you left it or you lost it and you go back and you go to the front desk of the store or whatever, and someone has returned it. That has happened to me so, so many times. And it just feels so good to know that there are so many good people out there um, making a difference in the world. Um, The definition of integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral and moral uprightness. And he says in his book that leadership of the family an organization, our society, or even the nation erodes and eventually falls apart without, without honesty and integrity. And so all of us are going to be future leaders, all of you. It doesn't matter the situation. You're, if you're married with kids or if you're young and, and going through school, it doesn't matter. You are going to be a leader of some in some scenario in your future. And so we need to be the ones standing up for right principles and honesty and, te- and integrity. Everyone in, says in the book, everyone wants to be successful. Isn't that true? We all want to be successful. The question is successful at what? 
Do you want to be, do you want to sacrifice your integrity to be successful? I do timings at school and it's the biggest way that kids cheat. And, and yet it's also the biggest way that kids are honest and you have to get 60 digits in a minute to pass and I'll have kids turn in 59 digits. And I just think when kids turn in 59 digits, I just look at them and go, you are so incredible because they could have hurried and done one more, you know, but I'll also be standing around and watching the time stop and kids just keep going. And there's myriad of ways to cheat, but really is, is the success that you earn worth it? I have, a, I have different awards that we get in school. And a couple of years ago, I had a student that earned this award and in the summer and she got the award and she's like an outstanding student. Like she was top notch. And in the summer I got an email from her and she said, I just feel so guilty because I cheated on one of the maps that we were, they were supposed to take. And, you know, it just, it just held with her. Imagine when she got the award and was clapped and cheered and we took her picture and everything, you know, she knows in her heart that she didn't get that in full measure. And so we went back and she redid it and, you know, really, um, because she took the right step in, in coming and saying, but whatever success you're going to get is not worth it. If you have to success or sacrifice your integrity, um, none of these, like you want to be successful, maybe at earning money, successful in marriage, successful in front of our friends, successful to ourselves. But none of these aspirations are wrong. But greed is an insidious trap that has the power to destroy those whose eager search for success becomes the driving force of their lives. Greed is the devious, sinister, evil influence that makes people say, what I have is not enough. I must have more and I will do whatever it takes to get it. I've noticed in school, the most dishonest kids are the best students. The worst students, they never cheat. They never, they don't even care. You know what I mean? It's when you're successful, when you want to be successful, when you want to achieve that that temptation is so strong. When greed takes over, when we covet or want what somebody else has, that's when the affliction to our souls begin. And it could be a very sore and painful affliction. If it invites us to compromise our integrity because of a do-whatever-it-takes attitude. Carl Mazur was an educator from Germany, and he was a president of BYU University, if you've heard of that. And over 100 years ago, he was the very first president of this university, but I love this story. um, He told this to his students. He says, I've been asked what I mean by the word of honor. I will tell you what honor means. Put me behind prison walls, walls of stone so high, so thick, reaching ever so far into the ground. There is a possibility that in some way or another, I might be able to escape. But stand me on the floor and draw a chalk line around me and have me give my word of honor never to cross it. Can I get out of that circle? No, never. I die first. And you know, I hear... I hear stories all the time of people that say, Hey, my friend said we were going to get together this weekend and hang out or play or do something. And then the friend didn't hold up to their bargain. Um, and they, they found a better offer. So they took that better offer. 
There's so many different ways that we sacrifice our integrity and it, and it hurts us so much. Um, a few, um, another, another thing that he says in, in his book, he says, can we not, as we enter the 21st century, which we're already in the 21st century when this book was written, we weren't, but can we not vow to keep faith with the best that is in us? Can we not reenthrone the twin virtues of integrity and honesty? Honesty. Is it possible to be honest every day? Is it possible to live so that others can trust us, can trust our words, our motives, and our actions? Our examples are vital to those who sit at our feet, as well as those who watch from a distance. Our own constant self-improvement will become as a polar star to those within our individual spheres of influence. They will remember longer what they saw in us than what they heard from us. Our attitude, our point of view can make a tremendous difference. And, um, it's so easy to be dishonest and it, it's, you know, it takes, it's the high road you have to take to be honest. Um, and you don't know, you don't realize that people are watching you constantly. People are always watching you. There's, um, I just saw, I just barely saw a video and it was an integrity video and these two got these two high school kids they're driving in a car i think the yeah the top was down so it was like in convertible and it was a summer day and they see this big um 18 wheeler and the doors open and there's all this soda in there and they're looking at each other and laughing and they're like they they whip around this other car and they're going and they pull up to this 18 wheeler when they get to the stop sign and the guy reaches up and he's going to, you know, grab some of these sodas. And what he does instead is he takes and he pulls down the door. He grabs the handle that holds the door up and pulls it down so that the door isn't open for other people or for them to lose the soda or for other people to take it. And you're, you're just built up knowing that, um, they're going to take that soda and drink it. You know, you just know that's what they're going to do. And instead they grab the door and pull it down. I thought that was so cool. Have you seen those pass it on, um, billboards along the freeway? There's all kinds of different ones. There's one on integrity and it says it's this guy standing in like a car garage. Like he's a mechanic and he's holding onto a car and it says, couldn't fix it. Refused money, integrity, pass it on. And oh my gosh, you should get on to passiton.com. There's so many cool things on there. I'm going to sum up the podcast with this final story that Gordon B. Hinckley tells. And he has a video on this too, so you could Google it and watch it. But it's such a powerful story. I'm going to read it because it's, it's so powerful. My father told me when I was a boy a story that I'd never forgotten. An older boy and his young companion were walking on a road that led through a field. They saw an old coat and a badly worn pair of men's shoes by the roadside. And in the distance, they saw the owner working in the field. The younger boy suggested that they hide their shoes, that they hide the shoes, conceal themselves and watch the perplexity on the owner's face when he returned. The older boy, a benevolent lad, thought that would not be so good. He said the owner must be a very poor man. After discussing the matter, they concluded to try another experiment. Instead of hiding the shoes... They'd put a silver dollar in each one and concealing themselves, see what the owner did when he discovered the money. Soon the man returned from the field, put on his coat, slipped on one foot, 
slipped one foot into a shoe, felt something hard, took it out, and found a silver dollar. Wonder and surprise showed in his face. He looked at the dollar again and again, turned around and could see nobody, then proceeded to put on the other shoe where, to his great surprise, he found another dollar. His feelings overcame him, and he knelt down and offered aloud a prayer of thanksgiving, in which he spoke of his wife being sick and helpless, and his children without bread. Then he fervently thanked God for his bounty from the unknown hands, and evoked the blessing of heaven upon those who had given him help in this time. The boys remained concealed until he had gone. Then they quietly walked along the lane, and one said to the other, Don't you have a good feeling? Aren't you glad we didn't try to deceive him? Imagine, had they taken his shoes, they would have laughed and got a kick out of it and thought it was funny and moved on, but they never would have had that experience. When I was in high school, we I had a friend of mine, and we would go and do all kinds of anonymous things. We'd live, leave things at people's doorsteps, give them little palms with a flower, um, little quotes, anonymously to people all the time to help be, build them up. Um, there's so many people in the world tearing down, being dishonest, causing difficulty for the world. Let's be people of integrity. Let's be people who choose to lift others, to build others, to make choices that we feel good about, that we can live with ourselves when we go to bed at night. And I hope you've learned something from this podcast. I sure love doing it. I sure love connecting with all of you. And I appreciate all the people that are listening to the podcast. I hope it's making a difference for your life. It is mine. Um, I've been so incredibly busy, but I'm trying to be true to the podcast. Um, There are days where it's so hard to fit in recording the podcast, but I'm trying to be true to it and um, really follow through with something that I told myself I was going to do. Sometimes we 